Well, if you have your Bible, I want you to go to Joshua chapter 11. We're actually bringing to a conclusion a series that we've been in uh, some time called Promised Land Living. This is how God is teaching us how to become a church that literally expands the kingdom of God. How to become this church that, that says, hey, as a people, we're going to partner with God. I know some of you are, uh, maybe, maybe you're here today and maybe you're new to this whole thing and you hear the promised land, you, you think, well, yep, one day we're all going to heaven. Nope, that's not the promised land. Hate to ruin it for you, that's not the promised land. You know where your promised land is? Right here, right now. It's the kingdom of God on earth. And the promised land of the Old Testament is people living in the kingdom of God, spirit-led and spirit-filled, advancing the kingdom. It's right here, right now. Some of you are like, man, oh man, you started speaking this series and the stuff I've had to fight. Good news, you're on the right path. Why? Because there are no giants in heaven. Man, if you've had a low view of God, you need to get this in your spirit. God doesn't have an enemy because he has no equals. He has no equals. I mean, just one little finger. If he moved one finger, the whole galaxy would spin out of control. God says in, in Malachi, he said, I am the Lord and I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed. He said, if I did change, things would not go well for you. But he's a God of mercy. He's a God of love. He's a God of goodness. And I want to stir you up to believe that if you're facing some giants, it's because you're in the right place. By the way, if you're just kind of looking around like facing giants, what's he talking about? Could be you're still in the wrong kingdom. I just hate to break it to you. You're like, I don't know what he's talking about. I don't know any giants. Well, guess what? Get saved. They'll come out of the shadows. Dare to start, dare to start doing something for the kingdom. They'll show up. They're so, by the way, the devil's not going to come after anyone that's not a threat. You need to understand this. This is why we're in this promised land series. Listen, I don't know if you know this, but our, our, our whole nation is under attack. Trying to pull this nation apart and pull apart its Christian roots. And by the way, I, hear, I hate to ruin this, but our Savior isn't coming in 2024. Our Savior is not coming to Washington, D.C. Take the Israel trip. You'll find out where our Savior is coming back to. Your Savior isn't coming in a political party. What this nation needs is a people changed by Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, sharing the gospel, seeing God change lives now. See, that's why I had to pray ears to hear. Because as soon as I bring that up, some of you close your ears. You go right back to your talking points. Good Lord, I'm going to help some people in this service. I feel a grace. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I feel a grace. I'm going to give you some overarching things. We're actually bringing this series to an end. These are principles found in Joshua chapter 11 that we as a people must step into if we are going to see the blight of the darkness that has been encroaching, not, not, not somewhere else, right here. If we're going to see it pushed back, we have got to embrace some of these, these lessons that we've been learning from the Old Testament. By the way, everything that they experienced is given to us as an example. So what? So we repeat their successes and we avoid their failures. Let's look at this together. Joshua chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. By the way, if you have the Bible app, you can launch the Bible app. Go to more, and then click the events. All the notes will be there for you. 
And you can then add your own notes and save it. So what God is speaking to you today in this prophetic message. By the way, listen to me carefully. This is not just a teaching message. This is not a teaching message. I believe this is a word from the Lord. This is a word from the Lord for you today. And should be received as such. So Joshua chapter 11 begins this way. It says, when Jabin, king of Hazor, heard of this, heard of what? How Joshua had utterly defeated the five kings that came against the Gibeonites. It was a supernatural victory. So he heard how this victory had been wrought by Israel. So he sent word to Jobab, king of Madon, to the kings of Shimron and, and Ash, uh, yeah, hard word, and to the northern kings who were in the mountains in the Arabah, south of Kinnereth, in the western foothills of Naphoth Dar. On the west, to the Canaanites in the east and west, and the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Jebusites in the hill country, to the Hivites below Hermon in the region of Mizpah. They came out with all their troops, a large number of horses and chariots, a huge army, as numerous as the sand on the seashore. All these kings joined forces and made camp together at the waters of Miram to fight against Israel. The Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid of them because by this time tomorrow I will hand all of them slain over to Israel. You are to hamstring their horses and burn their chariots. So Joshua and his whole army came against them suddenly at the waters of Miram and attacked them. And the Lord gave them into the hand of Israel. They defeated them and pursued them all the way to greater Sidon, uh, Mizraphoth, uh, Maim, and to the valley of Mizpah on the east until no survivors were left. Joshua did to them as the Lord had directed. He hamstrung their horses and burned their chariots. Today, I really want to give you this as a prophetic word uh, because um, I, I believe that these words are critical for us as a church to genuinely step in to this promised land life, being spirit-led, being led of God, taught of God, and to see the victory that God wants us to walk in. Now, what we find here. In verse 6 are some clear instructions from God. And I love what we see here in Joshua 11 is growth. There's growth that's happening in Joshua. You see, it was just a few chapters ago that Israel was deceived because they weren't praying. They weren't listening to God. They got into a covenant. With the Gibeonites that they should have never gotten into. It was because they were prayerless. And yet in this moment, Joshua is in the place of prayer listening to the Lord. He's listening to the Lord. And the Lord speaks something very clear. Matter of fact, you find at the end of Joshua 11 that this conquest... Brought to a conclusion much of the fighting. Not all the fighting. All the fighting wasn't over for sure. But much of it had been dismantled to the place where it says that Israel rested in peace. How many of you would like to see Citrus County rest in peace? Because of the conquest of our God. Because the principles of the kingdom of God are now released on the earth. Well, that takes a people to partner with him. And so, I want you to understand this from the title of what we're talking about today. What, we're gonna, what I'm going to share with you is not for some distant time. The title of the sermon is called, Today is the Day. Today is the day. Today is the day. 
There's a reason why God's Spirit is moving so powerfully in worship. There's a reason why that every single song is talking about deliverance that's happening now. It is a, a, a congruence of what God is saying, what we are singing, and the time in which we should live. This is the day. And so if you've come to church wanting a right now word, I'm going to give it to you. This is a word from God. You ought to let these words resound in your spirit. Like those words when God speaks to you and you know it was Him. It was, it, there was no denying it was Him. Those times where God marks your life by speaking to you truth and it changes who you are. This is one of those moments, church. And if we will lay hold of these truths, this region will never be the same. So let me, let me frame these points today to you prophetically with this time stamp. Today, here's your first instruction. Do not fear. If we're going to be the people that see thousands of people come to the Lord, we're going to have to get over this fear. I, I, I was looking around and heard other pastors say this, so I wanted to do due diligence. Uh, there was somebody who said, it says, do not fear or do not be afraid 365 times in the Bible. So that once a day you can hear these words, do not fear. Well, I'm just going to let you know, that's technically not true. Because I'm the guy who goes and investigates. There's more! That means this, God knew there was something each one of us was going to have to confront even multiplied times a day. He said, do not fear. I said this in the first service, and I think it's probably appropriate in this one. When I say do not fear, immediately, under the, the scope of my voice, either in this room or watching online, you, you, you know, but some of you go, yeah, but I have anxiety. But what about my anxiety? But what about the word? Is your anxiety bigger and stronger than... Our God who speaks a word that says, do not afraid. See, see, I, I love this. I speak the word and the bugs start running. That's what the Bible says. You speak the word. It says the entrance of your word gives light. You ever turn on a light in a place that's infested? <laughs> I ain't staying in this place. That's what just happened. Do not fear. People are like, oh, yeah, but, you know. <laughs> Open the door today and let the word of God re resound in you till it becomes greater than your fears. We're not judging anybody. Why would you judge? God had to tell his people again and again and again and again and again and again. Don't be afraid. Why does God keep saying it? Because he knew that fear was at the door. Fear was at the door of their destiny. Fear was knocking again. And I want you to hear this today in your spirit. Joshua 11.6 says to Joshua, Do not be afraid of them. Fear partners with demons to stop you on the pathway of God's purpose. It'll stop you. Fear will stop you. God knew. Man, we have got to bring a mighty deliverance to this land so the plans and purposes of redemption will come to pass. Do you think... That God was just simply trying to bless Joshua and the army? No. He is building a platform for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to come in through a virgin birth. Who 33 years later would climb a hill called Golgotha 
take the sins of the world on that tree, bleed and die, and three days later, get up out of a grave. Listen, conquering this land, this hill country, is so the redemption could come. So he would look at his people and say, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Let's make it a little closer to home. All of you have a destiny in God. All of you have a plan written out for you. Listen, all of your days are written in a book in heaven. There is a book. Read the Bible. The Bible says there is a book with all of your days written down. It was before, it was written before the first day of your life. God says, I've got them written out. But you know what? Here's what happens. God gives us, a, gives us a little glimpse. He takes down the book. You get into a prophetic moment. You get into a moment where, man, you can feel God leading you. And all of a sudden, he goes to open your book. You know what he says before he opens the book and tells you about your destiny? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm going to read something to you about yourself. Don't be afraid. Why? Because I'm going to read to you. Something that is impossible for you to accomplish without me. I'm going to speak to you things it is absolutely impossible for you to accomplish apart from the living God. Don't think that, that just because Joshua has all these victories that he's not subject to fear. I love what Joshua does here. Joshua in this moment does not lean on yesterday's victories. He leans on today's intimacy with God. And today's intimacy with God and today's battle, listen, today's battle was determined by God. And he said, if you're going to enter into what I have determined to give you, you have got to confront fear. Church, If we are going to enter into what God has for us, the plans that he has for us, the good things, you're going to have to get over the fear of man. I've got some terrible news for all of you who just love being liked. (laughs) We're just not going to be that popular as a people. By the way, there will be popular Christians, by the way. People who call themselves Christians. They'll be popular. How will they get popular? They'll say things like this. Oh, yeah, Jesus is my way to heaven, but you can get your way. You can live any lifestyle you want. You can live in sin, and you'll still go. There's all kinds of nonsense messages. Those people will be like the people who truly live for God, that truly truly understand that there's darkness and there's evil in this world. Those people are not likely to be liked. So what's the first thing you're going to have to confront? The fear of man. Did you know that you can be loving and unyielding? Unrelenting? And let me just tell you for sure, That if the church does not become unrelenting in this last hour, this nation will fall apart. The Savior is not coming through government. The Savior, King of kings and Lord of lords, wants to come to this nation and revive its people and change our hearts so that we call upon and we unite and say, let's let's try God's way. Now, I want you to notice how many times that God says, do not fear. And I want to give you some tools to use because all of you have a destiny. All of you have this moment. And I know this is God's word for you. Do not fear. Some of you right now, you're afraid of what your life would look like totally dedicated to God. You're afraid of what that would look like. Some of you adults in here, you're terrified of what that would look like. What would my life look like totally dedicated to God? I'm so afraid of that. And people wouldn't like me. And you start dreaming up all these whole, all these ideas. Some of, some of the teenagers in here are like, man, I'd have to break up with my pervert boyfriend.
Here's the word of the Lord. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Notice what, what God tells this same man back in Joshua chapter 1 when they're coming into the promised land. Notice what he said. Keep this book of the law on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then, you're, then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Here's your commandment. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Some of you need to hear. It's a command. Don't be afraid. I command you don't be afraid in this hour of the darkness. I command you. This is the Lord speaking to you. Don't be afraid to witness. Don't be afraid to, to be bold. Don't be afraid to live for the destiny that God has placed upon your life. Don't be afraid. It is time. That we as a church get delivered from being afraid. We're no longer going to be afraid. I love what the Lord says in the Psalms. Maybe I'll, I'll just use a verse that all of you maybe already know. Psalm 23, verse 4. It says, yea, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. What's it say? I will fear no evil. How do you get to that place where you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death? I don't know. I, maybe my calling is just slightly different with you, but I have been in the place where the diagnosis has come. No help, no hope, nothing. And I have watched God come thundering into that moment and change it and turn it upside down. You know what most of us do? Most most of us say, well, they're just too far gone. I'm afraid to pray for them. I'm afraid to pray for their healing. What if it doesn't happen? I'm going to say, stop being afraid. What if it does? What if it does? Even though I'm, I'm standing in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because God is with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. Yes. Most of you read rod and staff and you think, that's what God uses to beat me. You read the Bible all messed up. That rod is for your enemies. And you feel good when your father who loves you holds a rod for your enemies. And by the way, your enemies aren't people. It's the spirit realm. How about this one? The Lord is my light. And my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And if you want it to become very personal. Go to Isaiah chapter 41 verse 10. And it says this. So do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed. We talked about that word earlier in this series, right? Dismayed in English means fall to pieces. Do not fall to pieces. Why? When the enemy comes against you, when circumstances aren't what you want, do not be dismayed. Why? Because I'm your God. And I will strengthen you and help you. I will withhold you with my righteous right hand. Glory to God. I don't know why, but I feel like to lean in on that. He says, I will uphold you by my righteous right hand. In Scripture, the right hand is the hand of authority. The hand of authority. And in the kingdom of God, if you're going to walk in authority, you're going to have to use it in the face of opposition. He said, I will uphold you with the authority I place on you. Some of you have just decided, I'm going to let every circumstance run over me. And God says, no, I'm going to lift you with the authority I give to every believer. I'm going to lift you over this circumstance and you will live comforted. You'll live victorious. You'll live strengthened. You'll live helped by his righteous authority. How about this? Isaiah 43, 1. He says, but now. Oh, remember that word. 
This is what the Lord says. Somebody needs to receive this as a prophetic word this morning. This is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, who formed you, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, and you are mine. You see, when you walk in victory over fear, you refuse to let circumstantial possibilities stop you from prophetic promises. Anybody ever done that before? Man, you made way too much space from circles, circumstantial possibilities. You worried and you worried and you thought and you worked it and you're like, oh man, I'm avoiding and I'm avoiding and I'm procrastinating and finally uh, God brings to bear whatever that circumstance was and then when you went through it, nothing you dreamed up actually happened. And you know what that was doing? That was keeping you from the prophetic possibility. If you would have just believed God, if you would have believed that he was with you and that he would never leave you or forsake you. You see, fear is a roadblock to keep you from God's plan. Fear is a roadblock. But most of the church today, listen carefully, stops at a roadblock. And we think, well, God's just mad at me. No. That roadblock of fear is not God being mad at you. It is Satan being terrified of you. He's like, if I'm terrified of them, if I can just get them to be fearful, if I can, I, that will keep them from God's plan. If I can get them to be afraid of the possibilities, I, if I can just get them to be afraid, it'll keep them from their destiny. I'm going to give you something that I know at least 98% of you in this room are deathly afraid of. Matter of fact, it strikes more fear than demons. It strikes more fear than, than death. Here it is, the most terrifying word in the church, according to the latest studies. Evangelism. Preaching the gospel. Here's how I know you're afraid. Because the, the, the latest studies say in the last two years, not one time has 98% of the church shared their faith with anybody. That's how we know you're afraid. And I'm here to tell you the word of the Lord is do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. On your job, don't be afraid. In your school, don't be afraid. In the classroom, don't be afraid. When you're standing before the county and you're just trying to get approval for the expansion, don't be afraid to tell about what God is doing. Listen carefully, church. Don't be afraid. It's time you open your mouth and tell people that there is a risen Savior whose blood washes and changes lives today. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Let me give you the second one. Today, believe for miracles now. Believe for miracles now. Remember what it said in verse 6? He said, don't be afraid of them. Because by this time tomorrow, I'll hand all of them slain over to you. By this time tomorrow. You ever get a word from God? You're like, <laughs> some of y'all come from like me. Listen, I came from missionary Baptist background. I had never been in a meeting like this in my whole life where it was sort of prophetic. And especially if you get around a prophetic person, that lays their hands on you, they start giving you words about yourself. You're like, how's that gonna happen? And this is what the Lord says. You need to believe today is the day of miracles. Listen, this is a word from God for us. We need to believe today is the day. Listen, we're real good at believing God will move some, someday. Oh, he'll move someday in the future. Someday far out there. Yep. I mean, after all, Jesus is coming back one day. We're even good in the Pentecostal and charismatic community. Man, God moved in Los Angeles, 1906. 
We had an old Azusa Street. Oh, man. I heard the story about God moving in the 50s. There was a healing revival. People get, And then in the 60s, there was a charismatic renewal. And then in the, the 70s, there was a Jesus revolution. And then in the 80s, there was a, a, a faith movement. And then in the 90s, we started getting outpourings of Brownsville and Lakeland and Toronto. You know what we exempt? Today. We're real good at thinking God will move in the future and real, and, 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 and real good about dreaming about what God did in the past. But we are not good at believing that there are miracles today. And I've come here to stand in the gap. And if it makes you nervous, so be it. Lean into my faith. There are miracles that are happening in this room right now. God is stirring hearts right now. If you're away from God, I've come to announce to you, today's the day you're getting right with God. Today's the day where you feel the power of the Holy Spirit drawing you close to a loving God. Where you get redeemed. Where you get washed. Where you get filled. Where you get healed, where you get set free from the power of the... I've come to announce to you, today is the day, and God wants to raise up an army of spirit-filled believers who still know our God is a miracle-working God today. He's a miracle-working God today. That's why the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, don't quench the spirit. I know some of you, right now, you hear me talking this way. Your butt's all puckered up. (laughs) This guy's making me nervous. I lived my whole life in Lutheran church. What's this guy talking about? That's why the Bible says don't quench the Spirit. You know what that means? That means the Spirit of God could be moving in a direction and we could throw water on the fire. Oh, no, no, put that out. Put that out. That makes me nervous. Put that out. Put that out. Put that out. Put that out. Don't quench the Spirit. Oh, we do that often. We hear the Lord. We're just out anywhere. God says, go pray for that. Put that fire out. Put that fire out. Don't quench the spirit. I'm telling you what's necessary in the last hour, the spirit of God. You're going to need to know the last, in the last hour, you're going to need to be able to hear the voice of the Lord. In the last hour, he'll teach you how to stay healthy. He'll teach you how to stay in tune with the God spirit. He'll teach you when to stay, when to move. That spirit of God, you're going to need it in the last hour. How to think. Don't go with just the flow of whatever is happening in the world. You stay in the flow and don't quench the spirit. But then it goes on next verse and says, and do not despise prophecies. That means when God gives you a right now word, you don't just step away. Well, we'll see. Well, God can do whatever he wants to do. I'm here to give you the word today. You don't, leave, you don't need to leave here today addicted. I still serve a God that says, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. I'm here to tell you there's no chain big enough to keep you bound when the, th- the son of God comes thundering into the room. And when does he do that? Today. He does it today. That's why the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6, In the time of my favor, I heard you. This is the word of the Lord. I told you this is a prophetic message. I pray you're getting stirred up in the spirit. He says, in the day of my favor, I heard you. In the day of salvation, I've helped you. Listen, I tell you, what's the word? Say it again. Say it again. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now, now is the day of salvation. Oh, you're coming out of your darkness today. You're coming out of your bondage today. You're coming out of the schemes of the enemy today. You are coming out today. Now's the time of favor. Now, now. God forbid... Calvary Church, be called of God to do something 
partnering with the Spirit of God. And we just be satisfied with being lukewarm. God forbid. No way. I know that's not the heart of God. He wants you to know today's the day where the fire of the Holy Spirit is coming on on whatever kindling from the wood of the Word of God. He is going to come and kindle something fresh in your heart. That fire is coming to you today. You're going to begin to burn for God like never before. Why? Because today is the day of rescue. Today is the day where He's coming. Today is the day where He is, listen, He is drawing a line in the sand and saying, Satan, you cannot come into this person anymore today you see I'm convinced from the word of God that one moment in God's presence changes everything one moment and by the way that doesn't happen in the future or in the past moments happen today Moments happen today. See, we need to be present in this moment. Why? Because we don't want to miss what God has for us in this moment. You say, what are you talking about? Oh, I believe that one, one moment in the presence of God on the road to Damascus found a man named Saul of Tarsus breathing out violent threats against the church. He was riding to go and carry out death sentences against, uh, against believers. And here he is riding on his horse. And in one moment, thinking to himself, he's like, Jesus is a liar. That's what he said. He said he said to himself, Jesus is a liar. And Jesus came down in gangster fashion and knocked Saul off his horse. He knocked him to the ground. And in one moment, in God's presence, Saul goes from Jesus is a liar to, who are you, Lord? Oh, I'm telling you, one moment in today, one moment in today's grace, in today's anointing, in today's salvation, in today's move of God, you will be changed. One moment in his presence. That's why the Son of God, after saying, Dad, I wish you were dead. That son that said, I, I, I could run things better than you. Sounds like a lot of entitled teenagers today. If I had your money, boy, I'd be happy. Yeah, try that. It didn't work in Jesus' day and won't work in yours. He said, fine, here. I love you, son. And I love what happened. One moment in God's presence. You say, where was his moment? It was in a pigsty. He had joined himself to a citizen. He was touching things he was commanded not to touch. He was around uncleanness that he was not commanded to be around. He was raised differently. But I love what the scripture says in Luke chapter 15. It says, and the prodigal son, it says, and then he came to himself. Now your version may say he came to his senses. I like New King James. He came to himself. You see, one moment in right now, right now in the presence of God, you'll find your true identity. It doesn't matter if you're in the pigsty of sin, sexual sin, all kinds of stuff. Listen to me carefully. It doesn't matter where you find yourself. One moment in God's presence, the prodigal son becomes a redeemed heir. One moment, one moment, and he makes his way back, and he can't even get out his prepared penance before the love of the Father hits him, and he receives a full restoration as son. You see, one moment in God's presence changes everything. Listen, I'm not just telling you Bible stories. I'm telling you because I know a 21-year-old young man who was dreaming up of ways to backslide on God. You need to hear me. That young man was me. I was dreaming up ways. I had prayed a prayer, God, if you get me out of this one. And he did. Three weeks later, that's all the willpower I had. Three weeks of going to church. 
I'm leaving the service where the presence of God had been filled. I'm now going out to eat with some of these maniacs. Thinking to myself, how am I going to backslide? How am I getting away from this? How am I getting back to my old life? That's what I was dreaming about. I'm dreaming about how to backslide. I know some of you are looking at me and say, wow, that's bad. You're doing the same thing. Don't look at me in that judgmental tone. Because I'm praying for that what happened to me happened to you. And there sitting in that restaurant, a woman I did not know stood up and said, Listen to me, thus saith the Lord. You have one foot in the church and one foot in the world. You are lukewarm and God is about to spit you out of, out of his mouth. And right when she said those words, lightning from heaven came upon a little missionary Baptist boy who did not know that God would touch you in power. I shook, I cried, the power of God came. Listen, kids, for you, it was kind of like a dining dash. I had ordered food. I never paid for it. I never ate it. I stepped, they, they might have a wanted poster on Bob Evans in Lakeland today. Who was this guy? All those 30 years ago. And here's what I'm going to tell you. One moment in the presence of God. Change everything. One moment. Now. Now. It's now. He's a right now God. And we've got to return to being a church that believes in a right now God. Come on, are you mature enough to handle those kinds of words by this time tomorrow? Well, let me finish this because these principles are the ones that need to guide us in the way that we live. Today, we need to trust God continually. I love how the Lord spoke this to me. He said in verse 6, he says, hamstring the horses and burn the chariots. I know all of you PETA members get really upset at the Bible sometimes. Hamstring the horses. And some of you who have ever fed a horse and had a horse and know how expensive those jokers are, you're like, Hamstring a whore. We're something a little deeper here. God in this moment was teaching Joshua that the promised land is not a God and kingdom. It's not God and Whatever talents you have and whatever things you can possess. Whatever, whatever, whatever ways that you can maybe, maybe you, can, you can use this to help God. You can help the advancement of his kingdom. After all, horses and chariots are state-of-the-art war weapons. Come on, we can knock out the enemy with horses and chariots, and God says, kill them and burn the chariots. I mean, essentially God was saying, I'm your atom bomb. After all, he created the atom. And he said this, I will not allow you to put your trust in anything but me. I will not allow you to put anything in my place. It's not a God and kingdom. If you've ever been in a situation and said something like this, well, I need to either let God, God needs to work a miracle in my life, or I need more money. Anybody ever said anything like that? Put your hands down. Don't, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. See, what you didn't know is that you said, I either need Yahweh or I need a demon spirit named Mammon. That's what you said. Because mammon, that word that's translated wealth in the modern 
time. That is the name of a Syrian god of that time. So I either need this god or that god. Yikes. And sometimes when you get in desperate situations and things are bleak enough, you don't know what to do when God gives a word like by this time tomorrow. Because your eyes are telling you one thing and the voice of God is telling you another. There's another time in the scripture where God gives a by this time tomorrow. And I want you to see what happens. It's actually in 2 Kings chapter 7. And the prophet Elisha comes and gives this word. In a time of famine, there's nothing. The people of God, I mean, they are so distressed. They're eating things they would never eat. It's terrible. It's a horrific time. And listen to what Elisha says in 2 Kings 7. He said, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says about this time tomorrow. A sea of the finest flour will sell for a shekel. They were super expensive. Inflation was high at this point. Sound familiar? And two seas of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. There was a captain in this moment and said, now come on. But he did. Come on, Elisha. If God opened the windows of heaven right now to rain upon the land, this couldn't happen. And Elisha said something to him. You'll see it, but you won't partake in it. Why? Because he was going to die in unbelief. He saw what God did, but died never having tasted of God breaking the, breaking the famine off the land. Well, how did it get broken? Well, there were just four lepers who were ostracized from the city anyway. And they're like, we're messed up. But there ain't nothing to eat in Israel. But there's this mighty army that's about to attack Israel because of all of the problems they have. It's the Armenians. Tell you what. Four lepers. They said, we're going to walk over there. And if they kill us, so what? We got leprosy, we're going to die anyway. He said, but if they take us in as prisoners, they'll feed us. And they've got food. And I want you to understand, these, these lepers, they got up and started walking in their brokenness. I mean, they was walking and probably fingers fell off on the way. <laughs> these, guys are, these guys are wilting away. Smell bad. Notice what happened. I believe the seed that Joshua sowed in Joshua 11 actually shows up at this moment. Listen to this. At dusk, they got up and went to the camp of the, the Arameans. And when they reached the edge of the camp, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the Arameans to hear the sound of chariots and horses. He caused them to hear the sounds of chariots and horses and a great army. So they said to one another, look. The king of Israel has hired the Hittites and Egyptian kings to attack us. So they got up and fled in the dusk and abandoned their tents and their horses and donkeys. They left the camp as it was and ran for their lives. And when the lepers got there, all the food was there. They went in the tent and started consuming. I imagine one, uh, one of the lepers started looking at all the gold and the plunder. He reached and grabbed a ring, tried to put it on. It fell to the ground because that finger fell off on the way. And they are eating, they're full, and they are, they are just basking in this wonderful moment. And then they come to themselves and say, what we're doing is wrong. We need to go and tell. We need to go and tell our brothers what God has done. Listen to me. Because Joshua, this is my firm belief, because Joshua killed the horses and chariots 
in a generation to come, God released his horses and chariots. You say, why? Why? Why was God doing this? It was because, it wasn't because he wanted to give Joshua and the Israelites just a a plush country to live. No, the story of redemption was going to come through Israel. Jesus, the Son of God, was going to come into the virgin womb, be born, and 33 years later, climb a hill called Golgotha, give his life, lay down in a tomb, and three days later, take it up again. Listen, God had a redemption story story in mind and because Joshua believed God continually that I don't need God and and, and my strength I need God to manifest there was something that changed regionally and something that changed eternally I'm here to announce to you as I did weeks ago The day of your spiritual famine is over. The day of your spiritual famine is over. The day of your lukewarm living is over. The day of your bondage is over. The day of the tormenting thoughts is over. The day of sin ruling your life is over. The day of the night terrors is over. The day of that disease, it's over. It is over. It is over. And that, listen to me carefully. God is raising up a people who just dare to believe. And I hear the sound of horses and chariots in the spirit right here in Citrus County going out to drive out the spiritual darkness. Make no mistake, I love Florida, but there's some darkness in this county that we need God to drive out. There's some some addiction. There's some brokenness. There's some abuse. There's all kinds of crime. There's all kinds of things that are going forth. And what we need is a people who would dare to start walking for God who say I'm going to believe God continually that this spiritual lack is breaking and here is the word of the Lord we must trust God continually to see this breakthrough regionally let me finish this series with this great statement from Psalm chapter 20 some trust in chariots and horses But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Calvary, we are not going to trust anything that is man-made. We're going to trust in the living God. We're going to see a move of God. We're still going to see people born again. We're going to see people filled with God's spirit. We're going to see people dance and praise. We're going to see the fullness of God touch this region through this pillar church. Listen, what does that mean? It's not that God leans on an organization. He leans on a people. Who say, I will not be afraid. I will see God work miracles today as I partner with him. And I'm going to trust him continually. That as I look out at the blight of this land, God is the answer. God is the answer. Do not be afraid, saints. Today is the day of salvation. Trust God continually. And we will see. at least a historic move in this region for the glory of God.